Hi, Brian. Hi, Jordan. Legend of Vox Machina. That is up. I really think uh, I really think we can do this in under an hour. I think we can too. I have faith. I kind of need to be done in about that much time. Oh, good. We would be done an hour in an hour and two minutes. Then that's usually how it works. Yeah, or an hour and twenty, because that's usually usually how it works. Season one is done. Oh my gosh! What Whether we think? like it or not, I know, man. It was... Is that how you want to play it? You do you want to go like tip the pyramid over and just start with the the overarching opinion of the show? Yeah, yeah. Let's start with the broad and then zoom it into the the narrow. I think that's a good approach. I give it. 6.9 out of 10. Huh. That's a, that's a little bit low. I'm going to be honest. It is a little bit low. We can't we can't go over the opinions that we got to no, go. No, that's that's this is how you want to That's great. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. So what what about you? I'm going to give it a biased 8 out of 10. 8 and a half out of 10. Okay. A biased okay. 8 and a half out of 10. A biased 8 and a half. I mean, yeah, I guess it's mine an, is biased as well. It's an emotional 8 out of 10. It's not an objective rating of the show as like a critic right i'm not a critic yeah i'm just a consumer i just like stuff yeah right and i like this show i like it a lot it's i had a ton of fun watching it can we uh i want to do a new segment whenever i remember new segment time just just quick gaming news in the very beginning the problem is, is i never remember in the very beginning of the show just cut it out from here and put it in the beginning. Man. You editing wizard, come on. A, that would be what a smart person does. I cut. I The pasting part is a whole different level. Oh, wow. The control V. Yeah, control V. The control C is what I do. I don't do, uh, I do control Z or control X, I think, is the cut. Control, control V, X though. is the cut. Control C is copy. Control Z is undo. I don't know what you're doing that for. But control V. I do control Z a lot. Is your friend. Wow, man. You say you say a lot of things and then I'm like I will cut a bunch of it out and then I'll sit there for a second but like no. It has to be said and then I'll control Z and put it back in. Well, thank you. Thank you for not censoring yeah. me. Gaming news. Elden Ring is out. Elden Ring is out. Dude, I I've watched actually a surprising amount of like beginner videos. I haven't watched any let's plays. Because I want to play it, like, really bad. Yep, totally respect that. I will tell you, I am watching the Let's Plays. I really enjoyed Dark Souls 3. I didn't I didn't play either of the other ones. I, I did watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think it's one of those things where I think the games were great. I recognize that the games were good. Uh, the first Dark Souls is many people's, like, one of their favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um when you start the franchise that late and you try to go back and play the antiquated graphics yeah. and the antiquated controls, yeah, um, it's hard. Yeah, um, I get that. Because, like, for me, I'm realizing now when people try to go back and play Skyrim and they haven't ever played it before, they don't, it's hard to, it's hard to enjoy it. Whereas me, I played it when that was new and I know all the mechanics and I don't have to, like, break the immersion to try to get used to antiquated mechanics. Yeah. It's yeah. already just muscle memory. And I can just look past that and just enjoy the nostalgia. So, um, but Dark Souls 3, loved it. I can already tell this is probably a, in my opinion, an objectively better game than Dark Souls 3. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, haven't played it, haven't seen, haven't watched like continuous gameplay. Just like, obviously clips while 
while it's being narrated by Fextra Life about how to optimize yeah, your yeah, build yeah, in yeah. early game. <laughs> um, but I've talked to my buddy at work about it. I'm pretty sure he missed work today because he was playing it. That's what I mean. Did not like had work off or literally missed work. Like like no call no showed about it. Like he no called no showed. Yeah, that's rough. That's that's uh. I don't know that. That is a suspicion. I suspect that's what happened because the last time I saw him, he was just ranting and raving about it. You uh, said in one of the previous episodes of one of the shows that you don't think you've ever loved a game that much to the point of like missing work. Is that right? That's that's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. You wouldn't like take work off or anything. Uh, I don't. I I can't think of a game that I've ever been that excited for. I kind of wanted to like a little bit when Kingdom Hearts three came out. Yeah. But not even close to the amount of desire needed to actually go through with it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So my buddy at work was saying that Elden Ring is like from software took all of the greatest things from Demon Souls to Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Three, Bloodborne, like took all of the greatest mechanics and greatest like storytelling aspects that they've like tweaked and modified and perfected over over the decades or whatever. Yeah. And then they made like a Dark Souls, but like in an open world comparable to like Skyrim or The Witcher. Like a big continuous open world, you know, just big, awesome, like gritty gameplay. Lovecrafty yep. and monsters and and like a yep. deeply medieval setting. Which is just like uh, yes. that's just like my cup of tea, man. I just, I don't <laughs> It just sounds so freaking cool to me. And like the watching the build videos, I just, I'm into it. I wish that you were more into it so that you and I could play together. But I, I don't really want to buy it if the multiplayer is not there, you know? Yeah, it's very, it's very true. And I wish I, I wish I was into it. Um, we talked about it offline, but the, yeah. for me, I have a couple things with the PC port that I'm just not happy with. Um, and uh, I don't have a console. I don't need to get a console for this game. Right, um, right. And um, and I also know, like, outside of the game, it's not the game's fault, but I know my own attention span. Um, that's I very hard that. as an adult, man. Yeah. That's... I'm, so I mourn it's... for you as you're going through this phase. I remember going through this phase of, like, I really, really want to want to play this game, but I just... Don't have time. Yeah. These days, even though there's a lot of things that I don't like about the subscription model, these days it is making me appreciate more things like ga- like Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Because then I can just, yeah, I can spend the $5 that month or the $10 that month and I can play however much of it I want mm-hmm. and then I can stop. Yeah. And I didn't spend 60 bucks on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the game looks... Visually looks beautiful, and oh, yeah. I'm really I'm really enjoying the let's plays. I'm gonna watch the let's play all the way to the end, um, and uh, I make that promise. I might stop, but I didn't pay for it, so right, right. Um, but uh, great game. So I just wanted to get that. I just wanted to get that out there. I don't know what the Game of Thrones guy necessarily did to contribute to Elden Ring, but I like the game. 
to do oh, a game. Oh, yeah. George R. R. Martin wrote for the story, didn't he? Yep. I, the, the Dark Souls stories are always, like, deep, but also at the same time not. So I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what it, what it is. But, uh, but I don't know that's the gaming news. Bop it up, up, up. Okay. Uh, back to Legend of Vox Machina. The Legend of Vox I, Machina. I gave it a 6.9. You gave it an 8.5. Is that yep. what you said? Yeah. What do we want to start with? Um, how did you feel the faithfulness to the original? What? How, how do you feel about that? Because... I mean, again, we've we've talked about this off air, but talk to tell me about uh, the things you liked and disliked about the faithfulness to the original. So, there were parts the parts that they had in the show. I felt like they did an excellent job on uh, some of the stuff with the Briarwood arc. I thought they did an excellent job on. Spoiler alert! It's probably a little bit late for that, but <laughs> you clicked on this. You knew it was coming. Yeah, thank you for clicking on this. By the way, thank you. Um, Share, share it with your friends. Yeah, um, Pike and her whole like thing mm-hmm. when she was away from the party. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really dock that at all because I thought it was, I thought it was good enough, and I, I am biased in that I know why it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, again, very interested to hear like people's opinions who haven't watched the uh, live campaign that was you know 400 hours some odd long mm-hmm. um that actually kind of explains why you know a lot of these a lot of these scenes um i don't i don't know anything about this dragon i i still have no memory on if they like in the beginning this like blue lightning dragon oh yeah that happened before the 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 stream that was pre-stream okay that was yeah, home see, game stuff that part of it there was some disappointment veering off of your question there was some disappointment in that i thought a lot of this season was going to be pre-stream stuff yeah yeah and then it, and then it wasn't yeah um i agree like three ep- yeah, yeah i agree like three episodes i wish they would have devoted more time to either the first briarwood arc or the pre-stream stuff yes um because i i don't know it the the uneducated you know i'm naive i'm ignorant in so many ways i'm not in the circles i don't know the things but i feel like with the success of the kickstarter i feel like they could have felt like a little bit of leeway to let the content get stretched out a bit more than they did yeah and not cram it in not cram it in so much mm-hmm. um i totally agree that you probably got to you probably got to start and then button up the Briarwood arc in one season. It's not like you can break that up into multiple seasons. I don't yeah. think a season needs to be 12 episodes long. I think you could have done that in, I think you could have made the episode number long, um, more. You could have done it in like 20 episodes instead of 12. You could have easily doubled the length of that first season. Easy. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. There's some, there's some confusion to me on why they felt, this fear of really diving into the pre-stream content. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I feel like there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of room for Easter eggs for the fans. Um, and they're just, I, I don't feel like there was 
many for like the old old fans yeah you don't feel like there was a lot no i don't i mean yeah like an easter egg of like i'm thinking of an easter egg like something in the background or like a passing comment that refers to something not explicitly stated as an easter egg like the whole the whole show is is in some in some sense fan service right while also trying to engage a whole new um like market right yeah well it's 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 vox machina and critical role in another in a different medium Mm -hmm. yeah they're trying to reach a different market that's not maybe not willing to sit down every week for four hours and watch D D. Yeah, but their audience is big enough that even if just I mean, their audience watching the show is going to make that show a success like enough. That's the critical role audience watching that show will make would have made Legend of Vox Machina more successful than many other animes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're probably right. I yeah, you're probably right. I won't say that you're like definitely absolutely right, but like I I agree with you. Yeah. Um I felt like there was a ton of to the point like not necessarily that I wasn't enjoying it, but that I was very I was like afraid on how people that didn't know the campaign were going to feel about the show because I felt like they were just it was just flowing with uh, with Easter eggs and and fan service, hmm. um, like the like for example, I was reading. Um, maybe we'll get into it a bit later. I might I might read off some one star Amazon reviews. Ouch! And <laughs> and get your get your opinion uh, from them. Yeah, that sounds um, good. One of them said like he's like, why the f is Keyleth throwing up all the time in the beginning of the show? <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of this random, maybe not even really funny thing. If you don't know that, like, consistently throughout the campaign, she was a lightweight. Because, mm-hmm. like, immediately when she did, when she threw up, I, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, I, well, I understand why. Yeah. Well, I think that's, like, one of the first things I think of when, when a group of people is in a bar and you're probably, you might not like this. But when the frail lady throws up, like I just think, oh, she can't. Oh, I mean, she can't hold her liquor. Like that's the first thing that pops I mean, into that's my a, head. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in my opinion, that's a physical thing. So yeah, but I'm just I, that's just what I think. And so like, I don't think that's, I don't think that. No, and I, I don't have an issue with that because that's that's like a that's a that's a physical thing. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm almost on the other. Like I I was a, I was afraid on how the, it was going to be taken by people that hadn't watched it because of all of the side or like all of the inside jokes mm-hmm. that were being that were being made, and so and and I'm disappointed that we didn't that we just kind of jumped into um, season one and didn't do pre stream stuff. You asked me about the kind of the campaign to the TV series. Mm-hmm. As far as what they showed, I don't remember anything being like crazy off. Um, yeah, I mean we're talking about the Briarwood arc mm-hmm. for as far as what the comparison is, and I I don't I can't really think of uh, anything that stood out to me 
it's been a long time since I've watched the Briarwood arc. Right. But I feel like they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, I mean, you? yeah, I feel similarly. Um, I think, again, both of our biggest complaint is that they jumped so far uh, into the campaign. Yeah. Because um, there was, they showed the dragon thing, which kind of established, which I think was necessary for yeah. an animated show to establish Vox Machina as an adventuring group as like the heroes of the story, um, which was good. I loved it. I loved all the little moments. Um, I think we talked about it before. I loved the, the first three episodes where they, they're introduced as a bunch of schmucks that can't get anything right. And then by the end of the third episode, they're like, they're buddies, they're meshing, they're strategizing and every, and like things start working out. I loved that, but there were a lot of parts that I was really looking forward to in the Craghammer arc. Yeah, because like, the Craghammer arc was was big, and we talked about it off stream, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tiberius not being able to be present. Tiberius was a character played in the campaign by a player that no longer is with critical role and critical role does not have the rights to his character. Mm -hmm. So they can't, they can't portray him even though he was present during the beginning of the, the streamed campaign. I understand that makes things hard, but like that Craghammer is dope. The elder brain dude, that whole, that weird beholder thing that they fought. That was sick. the, The elder brain. No, elder brains are different. The beholder was it? Yeah. So elder brains. Oh man, am I about to school you on some freaking D and D lore? Maybe I thought. I thought that the, I thought that when they had gotten there, they had fought. I thought that it was an elder brain in that room. Was there an elder brain in the room? But they fought a beholder. Am I just remembering this incorrectly? Mm, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I remember. It, I, I remember beholder type things happening mm-hmm. with like the the. The lasers and the anti-magic the cone, cone. The yeah. cone and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought... Because there's like... I mean, you got Fizzbands now. You got Elder Brain Dragons. Mm-hmm. For some reason, in my head, I was just like thinking about them as the same entity. I, um, I don't think... Okay. I don't, I maybe, don't remember an Elder Brain. I only remember the Beholder. Oh, okay. Well, there was... Was it... Were they fighting the Elder Brain right after that... Uh, I can't remember what his name is, but right after that home dog switched sides when he joined the i don't think i don't think they even fought the elder brain i can't remember we'll have to go do so, some research or somebody leave a comment or something let was us the know. fight in a temple was the fight in like a temple structure i it was in a it was a big room okay. i can't okay it's been for what i what i think what i think happened so the elder brain is the thing that controlled all of those um uh, all of those creatures the and it's, it's really doing the illithids. Yes. That was controlling all of the illithids. Mm-hmm. If the elder brain wasn't actively fighting them, then I think the elder brain was just in this temple in like a vat. Um, and it was just present in the room and all of the illithid were trying to defend it. Um, so I think the elder brain was there and I think, but I think they were probably just actually fighting a beholder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you so. kill the elder brain, all of the illithids die. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure once they killed the Beholder, they took the horn out of the Beholder 
and skedaddled oh. and all of the illithids started chasing them and it was like a chase scene after they beat gotcha. the so maybe maybe they left the okay okay cool that's People what i feel remember free to school us but man wasn't like what a cool fight i obviously can't remember many details but like there was verticality i'm pretty sure vax and grog like dropped 30 feet or something and like yep, yep. landed on this beholder thing, which had like experimented on itself and like grafted in metal armor plates onto this big, like bulbous beholder body, and it was like really yeah, and grotesque to, and and like even was, before the fight, they were they were having to like fly above the city mm-hmm. and they were using the magic carpet and yeah, like that whole um, and that was where that part, not the dragon. But in Crackhammer was when Pike did the thing that caused her to need to go figure out her deity stuff. Yeah. Yep. Because in Crackhammer was when she, they walked at some point in time, they had found. Oh, she like brutally tortured something like. Yeah. Like Um, (laughs) it was awesome, but it was like brutal. I I think so. They, the thing, the tie in was that they had found Lady Kima. They were yeah. they were down, uh, they were trying to find Lady Kima, mm-hmm. um, and they found her. And then in that room or another room, there was like a torture chamber with a bunch of like torture implements. Mm-hmm. And she like slit somebody's throat, or she did something that yeah. was like super chaotic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Matt had told her, and he said this in one of the recent interviews with D and D Beyond. No, not not D and D Beyond. Uh, just uh, Dun- the Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That that was when he uh, had let her know, and, and um, Ashley Johnson was so surprised, and she was like scared for her character because Matt had told her her alignment had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was in Crackhammer, not not to do with the dragon. Yeah. Um, and that whole that whole thing with Lady Kima, because Lady Kima and Alora, they become such big characters, yeah. and so they did. Um, yeah, that's making me remember. So they they did shift some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they had if they had just dedicated. I think they could have done, I think they, man, I would have loved to see, I'm not going to sit there and talk about all these millions of dollars and how they should have spent them. (laughs) Right. But I personally, I personally would have loved to see them take a a whole season on complete pre-stream stuff. Yeah. And then take the second season and do that, like just prior to Crackhammer to Crackhammer and then do the Crackhammer thing. Mm-hmm. So episodes one and two are before the stream, and then they're and then they really let us see the transition on that first episode of the campaign, and then go on from there and complete the Crackhammer mm-hmm. arc. Um, and then yeah, and then go on just like they just like they want to take a full season for the Briarwood arc, um, and then go on from there. Yeah, I agree. Because after they left Crackhammer, um. They will go to Vasselheim, yeah, to take the horn that they took from the beholder and like lock it away in some temple of Bahamut, and they take Lady Kima with them, and so Lady Kima actually gets this really long, like in-depth introduction and development period with the party, and so like when she comes back later. It's like a big cool thing that oh yeah, Lady Kima's back. Sweet. She's awesome. We yeah. have rapport with her. Yeah, and she's like the uh, connection to like Lady Kima and her connection to Allura. Mm-hmm. 
and they may have already had some connection to Alora, but I can't uh, I can't remember. Um, but that's a person in like the leadership mm-hmm. and gets them into like higher standing and then yeah. kind of lore and thematically wise makes it make sense that they're starting to take on this this higher responsibility stuff. Yeah. I don't I under, I understand taking them taking the Horn of Orcus out. Um like you got to cut Yeah. got to cut plots. You got to cut and something. That one right. That one that didn't one, lead anywhere. Stuff. Yeah, that was exactly. a dead end narratively. So like I do get that. But man, when they go to Vasselheim that first time, you and I have talked about this at length. I think we even had an episode on it in the quality varies. But my favorite period, my favorite part of campaign one was the first time they go to Vasselheim. Grog uh, enters into this like fighting arena and he fights yep, this other yep. barbarian. And oh man, just mm, he loses the first round. Gets knocked out, knocks out, like gets knocked out of the tournament. So he goes and re-enters into the next tournament and wins against the same guy. And it was like, it was like I was watching a football game. Like that's how I felt. <laughs> like I felt like yeah. I was rooting for my team in a football game. Like I was that invested. And I think that was like the first real time that I was like fully emotionally invested into critical role i think that's what really like cemented my my fandom for it was like yeah man these freaking nerds got me to cheer like out loud audibly (laughs) for them it was a great lesson to me as a dm because matt let matt let travis fail yeah Oh man, I still and remember. I still remember poignant, me thinking about that. Yeah, what a poignant loss too, because it was like he mentioned in passing, like after the the loss, it was like one or two hit points, like a bad yeah. roll of the dice, and and that was it. But he just let yeah, it ride, which like, was so good. Yeah, letting that be an option, it was it was mm-hmm. just a good lesson to me. Like, let it let it be on the table, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so. I don't, you know, I, my memory goes away on some of these things, but I still remembered like picking that out. Like, Oh, Matt, just let him get dumpstered on. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but lose this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did make it more epic when he came back and he, and he did um, fight and it did make it more immersive the second time around because it was like clear, like you can fail this fight again. Like there's no, there's no predisposition of like plot armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like, I feel like even just the, you know, the, like the players even thinking that, oh, the DM is just like the DM will like, even if we like mess up, they'll get us through it. But it just being clear, like, no, mm-hmm. like, this can go, this can go terribly. Like this can be a wash. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And there's several points in that campaign where he demonstrates and tells the players Look, it, like he'll if you fail here, bad things will happen, and the yeah. and like the story will go on. Like if you die, we'll just reroll new characters a, a a period of time later, and the new characters will have to deal with your current character's failure. I remember him saying that. I think it was in a Tox Machina, but he he says that like yeah, I had absolutely. like he had the plans there written out if they failed and he demonstrated it a few times like with grog 
Well, I love the like you can you can see like an area where all like not necessarily a failure, but just the way that things went. Because I think uh, Matt had said made a comment about uh, Percival let Ripley get past a certain threshold mm-hmm. of like being a being alive, and the knowledge of guns and firearms got released out into the world. Mm-hmm. And there are fire, and that's why firearms were were then present in in Exandria. Yeah, um, and I thought that was so like I thought that was so cool. And Talisman's face, <laughs> what Matt was saying, that was just like, ah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I love stuff like that. We're already talking yeah. about the campaign again, not the show, but oh yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> both of both of us agreed the campaign is good. <laughs> campaign is grade A. Yeah, it's a good campaign. FDA choice beef. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Again, the first like 30 episodes is a bit rough on the audio, but mm-hmm. you just got to push through it. Just muscle through it. But yeah, so yeah, the show... A- um, okay, we talked a lot about the show's faults. Um, what... Oh, I feel like I had something else to say. Or another question to ask. But we'll just go... What was your... Maybe top three or top five favorite scenes in the show or favorite things about the show yeah so i think we mentioned it a little bit with the when we were talking about the first three episodes but i think this medium because it's a different medium and Mm -hmm. you can do things a little bit different yeah um and it's the same thing like books versus movies Mm -hmm. there are some things that movies do great books have a hard time sometimes getting battles across yeah like tolkien skips the battle in the hobbit yeah yep um not not that everybody's on the same page on how the Hobbit movies focused on the battle, yeah. <laughs> um, but but they certainly made. I mean, there was stuff there that a movie could do that a book couldn't. So in that way, mm-hmm. the animated series did a great job of visually like it was scripted because the the not scripted thing had already happened yeah. happened. Yeah. So they were just able to like pull out the emotions that they were trying to achieve and that didn't like organically happen in the campaign. And they were just able to shave and carve and hone in on that emotion and put music, um, facial expressions, um, animation, lighting. They were just able to put everything towards mm-hmm. that goal. Mm-hmm. And so you got the scenes like the, when, when the child dies in the house uh, that the dragon attacks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're able to like the mood, the mood is somber, the lighting is somber. It's a burned down house. Like the, they're able to set the, um, and they, they're just able to fully commit themselves to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're going to, I know you're going to mention it. Um, but, uh, one or two scenes at the end with the Briarwood arc in that fight. Mm-hmm. And they're just able to like fully just like clean it, like polish off, clean up and then present just an epic version yeah. Of what had happened mm. um, in a theatrical way and really just 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 uh, pick at and pick at those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's what I appreciate about that's what I appreciate about anime in general mm-hmm. and these these kind of mediums. Yeah. So so that's that's what I have. I love that about about the show. Yeah. Did you. So you knew what was going to happen. Did yeah. you did you find yourself like remembering the emotions you felt did you feel them the same was it different 
Or I guess, did you feel uh, the emotions? Did you feel them the same way? Was it more poignant, less effective, or um, was it like a nostalgic emotion? Um, I think so. I'll take a couple. So the dragon, the dragon one that wasn't in the campaign, so that was new, and that hit me hard. Yeah, I was yeah. sitting there like, wow. I was mm-hmm. I was getting teary eyed, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Okay, well, we're gonna freaking go kill a dragon." Yeah, and just like you get like this again, they're able to put everything around it. They make mm-hmm. it obvious without everybody talking that yeah, everybody's gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take the first like the the couple times that Percival um, goes into his like different demonic mode. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a part where they were definitely able to whatever was being described in the campaign. They were just able to polish, shave away, and just present this just horrific, mm-hmm. weird thing yeah. of what was going on. Yeah, because, like, imagery gets intense with with that scene specifically. In, like, the last two episodes, I think it was, um, yeah. it gets, like, really intense. And Matt's an amazing orator, like... What like one of yeah, the best descriptive yeah. orators? Don't get me wrong. I didn't like, have a. I didn't have like an issue period. visualizing the campaign. Yeah, yeah. But like actually seeing it though was like yeah. a whole new level of awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the Percival thing was great. Um, I'm actually gonna say that the the Briarwood thing. I kind of got distracted by the. You asked me about how faithful they were to the campaign. Mm-hmm. I got distracted by them not being faithful to, to the campaign. Because in the end, I knew for a fact, like, and I really, like, enjoyed lore-wise and, like, story-wise the fact that, like, after the fight, or at some point during the Briarwood arc, Keyleth spent eight days, or spent a huge amount of time on this ritual to bring back the Sun Tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so it was pretty distracting to have her have these interactions that she was having in the, in the show with the Sentry. Mm-hmm. Um, because that part, that part was different. Yeah. Um, yeah. it was still, it's still like her, her big thing with the Sentry in the fight was still super cool. Um, it was a cool show moment. Um, it was just different. And that was just sitting there in my head. And like, there was, there was that disappointment of like, I'm seeing this and I'm also understanding I'm now losing like, like this is not going to happen. She's not going to have this ritual, and because um, I just, you know, I just enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but the fight with, uh, I, I can't remember the uh, too many of the, too many of the details. But like when Grog was holding, um, what's his name, Delilah, and then what's the husband's name? Silas. When Grog was holding Silas, mm-hmm. and just and and. Um, either Pike or Keyleth, one of them was ready to do like a sunburst, yeah, some like light spell, and they didn't want to do it because Grog was there as well, and Grog was just like screaming, like "Take it!" Mm-hmm. Like I can take it. Yeah, that was yeah. just that was just super cool. Oh, like it's man. fine. Yeah, it's fine if it didn't happen in the exact same um, way. Um, they did a really good job on that part, and just. Yeah. Focusing on like Grog isn't the smart. They did a good job in in a couple moments, like showing that Grog is not the smartest person in the world. But yeah. but the whole thing around Grog's character was that he does, like he is a good, mm-hmm. aligned character, and like he definitely like has good intentions. Yeah, he will always have his buddies back. 
whatever. Yes. Whatever the whatever the personal or physical cost, especially. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my boy. I love me some Grog. So, so I've probably overlapped with some of yours, but what what stood out to you sure. uh, for the series as a whole? Um, the music. Uh, you mentioned the music. Yep. It, like, music is so powerful. It's such yep. a powerful emotional tool to like set a tone, and like you said, they were able to just like laser zero in with the music to the show to like perfectly or nearly perfectly tailor the the sound of the music to the scene that's going on because they do they they do have music in the campaigns and they do a really good job of like having an a selection of music to like go with certain types of scenes but there's maybe like 10 tops songs or pieces of music that they, that they can cycle through. But with the show yeah. and the budget and everything, they could compose and arrange yeah. and mix and compile all yeah, of that's the music. That's what I love. Like they were so perfect. Instead of having to use like the Witcher. Yeah. Instead of yeah. having to use like the Witcher 3 soundtrack, which don't get me wrong. I love it's the Witcher great. 3 soundtrack. Uh, but that but, was composed for a different piece. Yeah. And yeah. these guys, they were able to compose, again, polish, and just hone in on, mm-hmm. and they were able to make something. Mm-hmm. So I lo- yeah, I agree on the music part. Yeah. Um, I'm. This is probably the most petty thing. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm going back to a, a, a slant against the show. Yeah. I'm really like disproportionately upset that Matt Mercer did not voice Gilmore. I was really, okay. really upset that they got a different voice actor. I think he did great. Whoever it was, I don't know who it was, but I was like kind of bugged more than kind of <laughs> bugged that I, yeah. that we didn't have Matt's, suave flirting with vax i think that was that was kind of a bummer for me who was the voice actor for gilmore i don't know uh, um i don't know he was good like don't get me wrong he was great i think they were I going think he, for more I think he of the was one ethnicity of, the big boys. of gilmore sunil Mo- yeah i don't i don't know who this guy is but i yeah. think he was one of the big like the big ones the big names mm-hmm. um yeah but I mean, you know, we got attached to that. Like we, yeah. we, in our heads, like we made those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, like if they hadn't come out to like come out and distracted me with David Tennant's name, <laughs> I probably would have been bitter for a couple more days about the fact that Matt just wasn't voicing everybody. Yeah. And then they said, uh, they said David Tennant. And I'm like, ah, maybe I can get behind this new movement. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like that they got different voice actors. I also like that most of like the unnamed side characters are like pretty transparently Matt just doing voices. I really really yeah. enjoy that. That was a bit that was one of my favorite parts actually. Like the okay. the reemersion back into campaign 1 of Critical Role was like the all the soldiers and the guards that just were voiced by Matt and like the townspeople and whoever 
Silas was voiced by Matt. So that was like a cool like re-immersion nostalgia thing for me. Yeah. Just that recognition. Have you yeah. tried to have you tried to re-watch any of the episodes? I have not. So rewatchability. I tried to go and yeah, I knew we were going to be recording this today. Mm-hmm. And I tried to just pull it up on the iPad while I was working on stuff on the computer. Um I couldn't I mean I I couldn't do it. I couldn't really? like watch one of the yeah. Um it wasn't like I had kind of leached off the you know, there's that initial satisfaction where it's just like, I see what they did and I'm like, oh, okay, I know what you, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like fan service or this, or like have that, that moment. And, but like after that first time, there's, ah, there wasn't really anything there for me trying to watch it again. And uh, again, I'll be interested to hear other people's opinion, Yeah, but I, I didn't, I wasn't really feeling any, anything out of trying to watch that, that first episode again. Hmm. So so that that has an impact on my overall score on why it's a little bit lower as well where I, and I told you this and I told you this was my fear and it and it had been confirmed I told you when I finished the series that I'm like yeah uh, I finished it and I'm kind of it feels like I've kind of gotten what I got out of it and I told you that I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to watch the se- the the season again and I tried mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it yeah hmm. dang it man yeah but I mean as you know, I was satisfying to watch the first time. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, and it, it's like it's like it's really entertaining, though, right? Yeah, it's it's entertaining. Um, it's just not like a like you have the series. You know, I think of Psych. Yeah, everybody. I think everybody's got their TV show. Yeah, for me, mine is Psych. Um, I could watch Psych. Uh, I've watched the same episode. Like I've watched. Uh, the whole series of Psych, probably four or five times. Yeah, I'm the same way with um, Community. I think that's my show. Yeah, um, and I don't think that that like the Legend of Ox Machina is definitely not gonna is not gonna do that for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. I'll watch, like I'll watch, not necessarily the entire episodes, but I'll watch highlights of uh, Critical Role, the campaign. Mm-hmm. I'll watch highlights of those for days. There's highlights that I've probably watched a hundred times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when campaign two, spoilers, campaign two, when they figure out like that, that gal on the island is Keyless mom. Oh, dude. Yeah. Freaking yeah, Probably hectic. watched that a hundred times. When, when uh, Jester, I think, I think on air, either Keyless mom or the Jester uh, con over that, uh, that gal that had the curse over not. Mm-hmm. With the cupcake, um, I watched that cupcake scene. I've probably watched it fifty times. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that that the show's not the show's not doing it for me as far as rewatch, rewatching it. Am I gonna am I gonna watch the future seasons? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't hit that. It doesn't hit that ten. But there's nothing but there's nothing but happiness as far as just an audience viewer that has watched the watched it happen just nothing but happy for him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on how it's going yeah yeah i agree i'm I'm super happy about it i love man i just i love you mentioned the fight scenes earlier i loved seeing those choreographed and seeing it in a different way because 
while you yeah, while you play D and D, the fights are like they're very um like they're very like Pokemon battles where like I attack you and I either hit or miss and you take damage. And you so like you yeah. kind of visualize that as like I slash you and you bleed. Um but in the show I think they did a really good job of conceptualizing like um a good parry or a good I'm not a, I don't know swordplay. Yeah. I'm I'm going to talk out of my butt here for a minute. But like yeah, a Elden good Ring gives you all the all that terminology. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I don't know. But like a good block or counter um like as like giving you an advantage or disadvantage in the in the fight. Um, yeah, and like yeah. the the little like the grunts I think in Grog versus Silas um, at yeah. uh, in Iman after the banquet and everything. Yeah. yeah, that really stood out to me as like there. Oh, there's actually like there's actually finesse in this. It's not just two two dudes just bashing each other with weapons. There are actually like yeah fighting and blocking and dodging and uh, and there's like it's a, it's a lot more dramatic it looks very very good yeah they did an amazing they can, they job can animating the atmosphere. It. they can yeah yeah they can they can i mean combat is a huge part where they can really take the you know it's it's hard in D to make yeah. the combat interesting yeah, yeah i think you've i think you've probably gotten the impression by now that like that's something that i'm becoming more and more paranoid with mm as time goes on, is like it's hard as a DM, keeping. man, because like yeah. the the dice and the numbers are like exciting, but like you, like the immersion is very difficult to maintain while you're playing D and D. Um, and combat takes time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that fight with that many characters, and that many environmental things happening mm-hmm. with that Briarwood fight, that was yeah. that Briar fight. That Briarwood fight took a long time. Yeah. It um, sure did. Yeah, it took several that, hours in like real yeah. time. Um, and so again, they're able to hone it down. Mm-hmm. The concept of D and D is that everything's happening within six seconds. Yeah, every round. But that's in game. In in reality, like we played. We uh, today's Tuesday. Last yeah, night. Last night. Uh, you played a game where we still spent an entire night, two and a half hours. Yeah. To almost three hours yeah on a single on a single fight probably we went through f- maybe four rounds maybe yeah. five rounds uh if that um i was thinking three or four in, so like 18 seconds yeah yeah um 18 seconds almost three hours right right um and but they're able to make it quick mm-hmm. and everything's happening at once and you can feel the emotion, and they're able to just sit there with money and time, and just like pack it in, yeah, yeah and, and get across that fight. They've done a fantastic job, and I think everybody knew that they would. I think there was very little, if any, fear or anxiety that the folks at Critical Role would not be able to distill the emotions from the yeah, campaign yeah, into no. the show. They're they're all yeah. phenomenal actors and storytellers. So that yeah. wasn't really a concern, but they just did a great job. Um, and like, ah, oh man, just seeing the imagery of Grog raging that I think that was the only yep. real 
Easter egg that I caught of Grog saying I would like to rage. Because normally that was, yeah. a, that was a Travis thing, not a Grog thing. Um, number one favorite part of that show. That, <laughs> that clip I have watched with my boys dozens and dozens of times. I'll look in the uh, and for the audience that's listening. Um, always keep an eye on the show notes because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have references and and links in the show notes, um, and I'll throw a link in there for uh, for just a YouTube video that has that that little section right there. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's, it's it's like good stuff. Yeah, it's like 32 seconds, but it's uh, it's yeah, gets my blood going. Good. And then like the imagery of seeing Pike, who's a gnome, she's like canonically like three feet tall versus yeah. this tall suave looking vampire like a classical european vampire looking like oh, dracula-esque yeah. like figure dueling and they're like ugh, that is that is a freaking cool fight man just like bouncing yeah. all around ugh, and the lighting and the the effects and the animation was just ugh, so so good they were going back and forth, mm-hmm. and then at some point, like uh, Pike gets the upper hand, mm-hmm. um, and they're on that ramp. And I, I still remember her looking up, and she just says, "All right, my," like she says, like something along the lines of "My turn," mm-hmm. and she starts going ham, and, and like that's freaking cool, wails on him. Yeah, it's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, but again, in the in the game, the campaign, she's landing these hits. Like, she's casting the spells and, like, shooting off the lasers and stuff. And she's landing the hits. But in the show, he he blocks almost everything. And yeah. so it's, like, the concept becomes, oh, he's not being hit and, like, whittling down a pool of hit points. It's he's getting yeah. tired. He's tiring yeah. from blocking all of these attacks. And then I just, I thought that was a really cool shift from the game to the show yeah which and that concept actually isn't i've heard that from a couple people now it might be a matt colville thing where hit points represents hardiness Mm -hmm. and like if people want to consider it in their games i just thought it was really interesting as far as a mental thing if you want to consider it that yeah at the at the core of it your character is still like a person like if you get stabbed in the chest with your uh with a sword like, it doesn't matter if you're the hero of Amon or just some bystander. Like, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But your yep. hit points represents hardiness. Yeah. And withstanding these attacks to the point that you're not getting stabbed and you're getting tired to the point that you do mess up and you do take one of these hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that mortal that mortal blow. But yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. Any yeah. any last any last comments before we before we sneak over to, to homebrew corner? And, and let things sit until season two comes out. Mm. I'm super excited for season two. I hope that they lengthen season two because season two is the Chroma Conclave. And that is a long fetching arc. And so I hope they let this yeah. breathe a little more. Well, uh, we already oh, know um, man. Grog, Grog pulled Grog pulled the sword from Silas. Mm-hmm. And that's a sentient sword. Yeah. And so, you know, that's going to be at least one episode. Yeah. And so, and like, uh. I'm already, yeah. I, I hope, I fear that they're not. It's just, you know, because they've already, they've, they probably already started working and had as far as like the drawing board. They probably already had a plan for season two before season one released to the public. Mm-hmm. 
but man, I, yeah, I would like I would like a little bit more length. Yeah. Um, with the Chroma Conclave. Yeah, I hope they released a short campaign one as like a test to see how successful it could be, and then yeah, had like a short campaign two or a short season two if it didn't go well, and then a long season two if it went really well. But yeah, I mean. What is that? It's just a it's just a daydream. Who knows? Who knows what'll happen? I'm I'm gonna watch season two no matter what. And I'm probably really gonna like it. Probably. But that doesn't mean there's not room for, you know yeah. just like right now. We can still we can still be appreciative of what could have been. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. But yeah. I right. loved it. Solid eight point five. Would recommend. If would recommend to eighteen and older. Yes, it's a very don't have any permanent like you need to <laughs> you need to like you need to like maybe like stereotypical maybe even plots that like a younger person would enjoy but you need to accept the fact that like that's the content it's going to be and it's portrayed in a very adult way. Mm-hmm. Lots of swearing, blood. It's a very mature show. Yes. Nudity, dismemberment. Mhm. Um yeah, it's a uh, yeah, I wasn't that. happy with the nudity. I was it it could have done without the nudity. You could still I mean, it was trying to portray Scanlan as a skis bag, which he is, and I get that, but yeah, I don't know, I didn't they could have done without yeah, it. Yeah, like that's still... the second scene, like I like I said, I was going through the first episode again and mm-hmm. and like Scanlan is about to have sex and then um Percival intrudes. Mm-hmm. Um or or uh, Vax or uh, one of them does, mm-hmm. and then like the bartender gets up and she's asking like where her daughter is and she points back and like Scanlan is still having sex and mm-hmm. it's like even more uh, pointed and derogatory than the first time and it's like yeah. ah I mean I mean you and I I mean people have different opinions about like what types of R-rated content are a, an issue to them mm-hmm. and you and I are on the same page that like sexual stuff. <sighs> Like, I don't feel it's necessary to convey the type of story that I want to grab out of the Vox Machina thing. Mm-hmm. But again, that's a difference where we didn't, I didn't have much of an issue with it when they were just describing right. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but that's our, you know, that's our take. And some people mm-hmm. might have a huge issue with dismemberment um, and nothing, nothing towards um, mm-hmm. sexual stuff in the show. Yeah. So. Or the vomiting, like that could be a thing for vomiting. some people. Yeah, like I was telling you in the in the last episode, like I noticed that because it's not a common yeah thing. Yep. So she does. I was watching the first. She does it a lot. <laughs> she, <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, so. Keyleth. I okay. Last last thing. I appreciate okay. Keyleth a lot more watching the show than I did the uh, when I than I appreciated her in the campaign. I just found her really annoying and like immature. Um, and like, I found her self-consciousness annoying mostly, Yeah, but, uh, she's coming off, Keyleth particularly is coming off much more, much better defined as like somebody who's starting their coming of age journey, which is much, much better, I think. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I mean that, that I think is one area where the length of the season may have lended itself because instead of eight episodes in a row where you just have this wreck 
social wreck of a per, of a person uh, before you have one episode of them like doing something great. Mm-hmm. And and she was like she was at the will of the dice, and so yeah, that's true. Yeah, some yeah. things just didn't go her way when it could have <laughs> yeah. been epic moments. Yeah. Um, in the show, they were able to take those plots and then like shape it in a way that was really able to define that yes in a single episode she does do these things wrong but then she does the cool thing and she comes right. over, she comes to herself um and so that part i feel like the length of the season does does lend itself to what they were trying to achieve mm-hmm. so <clears throat> okay mm-hmm. um we'll uh touch base next year or whenever the heck season two comes out hopefully soon man hopefully soon um homebrew corner how's homebrew corner is that what you give me that's what that's what you give me hey we're just we're working on it okay (laughs) until we start making the buku bucks we're just gonna have me being an idiot nasally saying okay doing our transitions (sighs) into you know game Um, news yeah game news homebrew corner we're having segments and bits on this show How is Glick doing? Glick leveled up. That's kind of the point of this, right? He always levels up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you told me he didn't level up one time, like, uh, hang on a second. Chronology of these episodes is out of order now. Nah, man. Yeah, no, he's uh, he got his first uh, ability score increase, um, which I took a feat because um, I am building Glick in the way that I don't build characters. Nice. Um, I would have taken... If Glick was my character that I was playing in a campaign, I would have taken an ability score improvement. Because uh, his stats are just... His stats aren't where um, I like them to be. Yeah. And if anybody hears um, ASI, uh, that's what we're... That's what usually the books or people are referring to is ability score improvement at mm-hmm. like levels like four and eight and mm-hmm. 12 and all that. So yep. yeah, but you took a feat. What feat I did you take a foot, a foot, the foots that I took was skill expert. So okay. level, level four, um, Glick's been journey, journeying around. He's been sailing to places, Last week, he went to this vampire forest. Um, he's been around. Um, hasn't really been... He hasn't really... I mean, he's focusing on his his, sto- his uh, store, kind of. His, uh, his shop. His merchandising. Yep. So, um, but he has come into his psychic abilities. So, he's starting to focus on his... F- physical abilities his you know his uh self-defense at this point is still kind of just self-defense he's not really going out and like helping old ladies with cats and trees and stuff he's just he's more just trying to protect himself and hone his abilities so they don't you know so they don't mess with him he's trying to control his powers so they don't control him that kind of stuff so he's been working out a little bit Maybe running. Ooh. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um. So his dexterity went up by one because the skill expert feat is a half feat, uh, where you get a plus one instead of two plus ones. 
Normally, if gotcha, you take okay. the ability score improvement, you get two plus ones to your stats. Um, some feats give you one plus one, and then a kind of a lesser feat ability. Yeah. So I got a plus one in dexterity. So now we have sixteen dexterity, which is good because he's a rogue. And the other part is he is now proficient in persuasion. And he's actually um, an expert. He has expertise oh, okay. in so an ex- persuasion. So an expert doubles the proficiency. Right. Is that right? Yes. So expertise doubles your proficiency bonus. Um, I believe at level four, proficiency is still... Where is it? I think it's still plus two. It's still two plus at level two. Four. Yep, it is. Yeah, I th- it goes up at level five, I think. Yeah. So still plus two. So he gets a plus four to persuasion. Yeah. But so, I mean, next level, that's going to jump up to plus six. Yeah. Yeah. Expertise is a big deal, especially as it, as it scales. So that's, that's where Glick is. He's still got his psychic blades and his psychic abilities, but he's just been kind of starting down the road to become like a. a powerful warrior or adventurer but he's still mostly trying to focus on his um his like his business acumen um so persuasion came in in like trying to make deals you know trying to sell the salesman skills he's been working on he's bartering and yeah yeah he hasn't given that up as his profession yet yeah um so so yeah Damn. Excellent. And, and so Gleek, you said it. Glick, you said is at level four now. He's level four. Oh, and he rolled a seven on his hit points, which was really good. Oof. Nice. Um, he's got a D eight hit die as a rogue. I don't know if I've talked about any of this. Um, um, I think we went over hit dice and kind of the different classes, and kind of some are bigger and some are smaller. Right. So rogues have like the middle one. It's actually second from the bottom. Um, but he has plus three constitution bonus because uh, he's a dwarf he's a sturdy folk yeah so that goes into hit point calculation every level so he has 38 hit points right now which is so he he's pretty he's pretty beefy for a rogue at his level yeah so from level three to four he jumped from 28 to 38 hit points mm-hmm. yeah and that's yeah, a really that's big a, jump. that's a good that's a good jump yeah yeah especially considering he's a rogue so yeah. yeah, I mean, you can get, I mean, I have my players uh, re-roll ones on their hit dice if, if they if they roll and they get a one. But even like, even then, like, let's say you don't have a bonus to dexterity and you roll a two, like two hit points on a level up. That's like, rough. That's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. But then yeah. you get the other levels where you get 10 hit points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really, it's really good. It always feels good as the barbarian to just see that crisp 12. That nice, nice 12. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for the encounter? So ready. Um, again, in the effort of, you know, pulling content from your players and, and tying them more and more into the story. I like it. Um, is the, is the name of the game for this one. So, um, I'm going to take Glick as an example. So I would have looked at Glick's backstory and the rest of the party. And I, my goal with this encounter was I'm trying to find somebody in some player's backstory that the player has wronged. Ooh, I like that. Um, 
bonus if the player has had had a part in that in the NPC's death. Mm. Um, the plot thickens. And, yes, and so that's what I'm looking for. Um, try to find that some you know uh, some character's backstory that you know there's got to be something just like bitterness or or something like that. If I can't find somebody that's died yet, but maybe like a side character that just a bad encounter like wronged them and then went on their way, maybe I have that character die and then and then I use them. But basically, um, a revenant is created. So a revenant in D and D, and this is just in the monster manual. Um, I'm trying not to, at least in the beginning, maybe for this first season, kind of like. Brian, you're trying to kind of stick to some kind of easier character choices or easier to follow character choices. I'm going to try to stick to uh, basic rules or, or monster manual for a lot of this stuff. Uh, so the Revenant is an undead that has come back to life solely just out of the purpose of defeating its adverse or ad, adverse adverse ad, adversary ad, adversary adversary. There you go. Um, yes, I'm a storyteller. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, adversary in life. Nice work. The one that that killed it. I you saw me pause there. I'm gonna cut that out. Um, so, um, so that's that's the background. The the setting. Um, I'll just sit on this. Um, if the players don't kind of run into a situation that feels appropriate, like I'll just wait, and it can just sit there until the moment is right. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe the players are getting maybe bored in a city. Um, maybe they don't really know what direction to take and, and they kind of, you're getting the impression that they kind of want to be kind of pushed one direction or the other, kind of what the next, uh, plot is that they want to dive into to progress the, uh, the adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like that, um, in the, like the prime thing would be in my mind, they're in the city, they're out at night and they're kind of walking they're they're on the streets. Um, that would be just beautiful, but you can put this in anywhere. So uh, let me pull the the thing up. Uh, so I'll just I'll just kind of read this off. So as the party makes their way forward, a shadow appears at the other end of the alley. It starts walking towards you guys, and behind it, one then two shadows fall and step behind. As the figure gets closer, it pulls back its hood, revealing its face. And then um, I'll have the physical description, or I'll make the physical description of the character. So I'll describe the looks of the the looks to the party, and then single out the player whose backstory this is from. And I'll say, uh, Glick, you recognize this figure almost immediately, though it shouldn't be possible. This is uh, Frederick, you know, um, from, you know, from 20 years ago um, over on the other continent. Um, mm-hmm. And he he died the day you met him. He, he's been dead for years. Oof. Um, tough break. Yeah, tough break. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, as Glick, like, this is your backstory. So, you know, like, you swindled this guy. Or something mm-hmm. um, like you got him, you stole something and you wrongly accused him and you got him in prison. Um, something like that. Whatever, whatever's in the backstory, you know, this none of the other players do um, just a few steps more. And everybody can see half of his jaw is exposed uh, to the raw muscle or even to the bone underneath, um, letting on kind of that. He's an unde- uh, he's undead mm-hmm. uh, kind of giving that indication. Nice. Behind him looks to be two ragtag bandits from the streets, uh, both holding swords in their right arm and one of them holding a small crossbow in the left. The figure looks up without stopping, smiles at you, Glick. He says, long time no see. And then maybe he'll make a personal comment about, you know, let's say you you put him into prison. Um, and he said, uh, 
He says, I, you know, maybe I'll say like, I did enjoy prison more than I thought. <laughs> and then he lunges towards you and I'll say roll initiative. Oh, shiz, dude. So, um, so the care, like the, the party knows that something's going on with this character. This character is trying to figure out what's happening. Um, and, uh, and then the two bandits, the, it's kind of on purpose. Like you don't really know why the bandits are there. Uh, what's, what's going on with these guys? Uh, the Revenant knows why the Revenant, if they think their foe is too powerful, or in this case, surrounded by five other players, (laughs) um, they'll like, they're sentient. They can, they'll go recruit. Mm-hmm. They they are they are charismatic. Mm-hmm. Their char- their charisma is matched for first place. They they have a they have an eighteen charisma. Oh shit! And they'll use that. Yeah, they'll use that to their advantage. So he'll recruit a couple more people. Um, and just it's uh, Matt Colville's giving kind of the reminder along with some of uh, some of the other um, kind of public figures out there. The that encounters should have like more than like a single person. Try to have like minions. Mm-hmm. Um, other mm-hmm. there, otherwise, just the dynamic of like the D and D mechanics make it hard for it to be challenging. Yeah. So throw a couple minions in there, find out why they're there, um, and it'll be it'll be better a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So Balance the, the action fight happens. economy, right? Yep, um, that's the action economy. So they have the fight. Um, hopefully, it's a dark. That's kind of affecting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the revenant can do all his stuff. He has some pretty powerful um, attacks. He has regeneration. And so that gives an opportunity. Maybe you can include some environmental fire possibilities mm. where accidentally maybe he can get caught on fire and maybe the players will notice that he doesn't re- regenerate. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the players can feel rewarded if they discover that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the fight happens. So uh, after that, you have a bunch of you have a bunch of developments uh, or kind of possibilities. Some of the things that I wrote down is, you know, let's say, you know, they just go for the kill. They just try to kill the Revenant. So if the Revenant's body is destroyed, um, canon-wise, it says it, it goes to another body and it takes like 24 hours. Um, I think that's boring. I think I might even raise the 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 combat difficulty um, of this, or uh, the CR rating, mm-hmm. the combat rating of this character, and say immediately maybe one of the other reasons that he brought these bandits along is so that if he dies immediately his soul will transfer to one of the bandits and he can continue the fight from there. Oh, shiz. Um, and he had that in mind, mm-hmm. f- you know, from the beginning to bring basically these meat sacks along <laughs> that he can just, you know, switch to mm-hmm. if, uh, if he inevitably dies. Uh, and so I might make it a little bit harder and make that, make that change. Um, and uh, if all of them have died, then it's still, it's, it's undead and it doesn't, um, it doesn't truly die until either its foe, its adversary, dies, and it, no matter where it is um, in the universe, it will it will know when its adversary dies, mm-hmm. or its year that it's been given to kill its ad- adversary um, expires. The year is up, um, and it hasn't been able to kill it yet. And so until then, um, I think it says in here the only thing that can do it is a wish spell to get it to go away sooner. Mm-hmm. I would probably I would probably give some other possibilities. Yeah. I would put some you know part of the adventure is I would you know I would give them the a way that they can work towards mm-hmm. getting rid of this thing. Yeah. But if they all die, then it becomes an infrequent thing as they're continuing along their adventures that this revenant shows up. Yeah. 
Maybe they get done with a dungeon and they're like exhausted but relieved and they're walking out of the dungeon and the freaking Revenant is there. <laughs> maybe maybe 20 sessions down the road, maybe six months later in mm-hmm. real time after the players have, have forgotten. Yeah. Um, and it, it can just be a thing that's uh, that's there. Um, prepare for the possibility. I just, you know, you got to know your players. So prepare for the possibility that the Revenant gets captured and <laughs> decide ahead of time. Does the Revenant actually like, are they going to talk to them or, or is combat the only way? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if there is a social encounter to be had there, figure out kind of what the personality is and, and kind of what their goals are so that you can actually have a conversation and you're not just fumbling around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, the other possibility is, is this, this is a sentient thing. And as I said, the Revenant will recruit people to help with its adversary, kill its adversary. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not to do with any of the characters backstories. Maybe the characters are the recruits. And so the Revenant approaches them to help. Um, and, and, and it just, you know, it's, it's involved in a different way. Wow. Um, and then the last, the last thing is if, you know, um, let's say you guys have been playing for two years. So there's already quite a bit of history just amongst the group. Mm-hmm. Then you don't even better. I would say like, you don't necessarily have to pull from somebody's backstory. You could pull from something that happened while playing in the beginning yeah. of the campaign. Yeah. Um, and then everybody's connected to it. Everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the, the revenue kind of a, hopefully it turns into like a reoccurring thing while they're doing other stuff. And then may, eventually they're like, we got to freaking like, we got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Flip, so, man. Yeah, man, that's cool. The, yeah. The revenant is pretty powerful. So the revenant is challenge rating five. And then so is this a the bandits? Is this a monster stat block? Revenant? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I think there's player options where you can have a player choose the revenant as a race. Oh, really? That'd I be think. super interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the 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 resurrection thing that's more or less the same. You just come back. And your your body just gets regenerated the next dawn, um, until you kill your mark, or the year is up. Um, yeah, that's super cool. That'd be a super interesting race to play. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, involved backstory. I don't think it gets anything like other than that. Like as like an ability. I think other than that, it's just you're a yeah. Human it's, it's just a race, though, but two. I mean, yeah. You know me. I mean, that's that's the most important thing for me. So yeah, I do know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's challenge rating five, and then depending on the levels of the players, you can, in my mind, you can change the difficulty by changing the minions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. the earlier on, they can be regular bandits, maybe no bandits. Um, if they're higher up, then you can go from bandits to the bandit captain, um, and I think the bandit captain is CR two. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of like CR like one half or one eighth, wow, um, that's a and so that's a jump, uh, yeah. Um, so I think by I mean when you throw multi attack on and you give them you know twenty or thirty more, uh, that's a you know that's a big jump yeah, even though it's is. a small thing. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so I think changing the minions in this case will do the job of changing the difficulty level. Um, and if they're if you're trying to do this at and they're like level fifteen, then yeah, you can change you can change it and make it personal to who the adversary was that got killed and, and make a stat block out of mm-hmm. that character. Yeah. Really um, beef it up. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the important thing is that they're alive to kill the adversary, the, the foe, mm-hmm. and they're undead. Like, that, you can you can throw anything on the stat block, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, right. sweet. That was a sweet... That's a sweet one, man. That was cool. I like that. And I like the the recurring nature of it and that it's... I, I love... I love the the backstory, like pulling from the characters' backstories. I love that. Like when uh, campaign one of Critical Role was full of that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I just love that. That's I think that's such a cool thing. That's such a cool part of D anD. I think. I think it. I mean, that's what pulls the players in. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you're just reading a story. Um, but I feel like the opportunity to make a backstory and then like, that's what you created. And then all of a sudden what you've created is happening in, in this game. And so it, it becomes, that's what makes it the cooperative storytelling. And, yep. Yep. um, so, so I love it. 100%. Um, so sweet guys. Next episode, we got level five. We start getting some, Ooh. when do we get level? When does, I know you're a rogue, Yeah. but level the point at which a party in general gets access to level three spells is always kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Is that level five? I don't know. I don't play spellcasters. Okay. I know level five is where <laughs> most martial classes get extra attack. Rogues don't Ooh, get extra okay. attack. So level five does represent a major power boost okay. um, to your characters. So um, many times there's class features or subclass features that help define um, the class or subclass. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head uh, what rogues get. I'm sure it will involve a sneak attack dice upgrade. It's still just 2d6 at this point. But Um, it gets up there. Oh yeah, by the end of the game it's stupid high. It's ridiculous amounts of damage. (laughs) No, it's cool though. Yeah, so I'm excited for level 5. Things start to, you know, the characters get more unique mm-hmm. um the encounters get a little bit more you know intense you're not just fighting the crab on the <laughs> on the you know in the in the river so. yeah sweet guys um we uh appreciate you listening um i don't know what we got next time but uh, ooh, i think oh. i think next time i don't know why i don't know i don't know if i want to commit to it but i think next time is the big old uh the big one the big uh we're going to be doing kind of a co kind of a co-release on the same topic oh, that's uh, right. on this yep. show and the other show. So, yes, we're going to take ourselves seriously on this show for the first time ever. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we can do the whole series part and then oh, we probably got to be serious. <laughs> we'll be serious a little bit as little as possible. Yeah, we'll be as little as possible. But I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a great time. Wow. Wow. That.